What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Ryan. And I'm Jake. And wow, a lot has happened. Uh, it almost feels, and, and the funny thing is, is for agency, it's not a big free agent class. The draft wasn't a big draft class either um, in terms of superstar talent and stuff, but it feels like the whole NBA, a lot has changed since the last time we brought you an episode, which is under a week ago now. Uh, um, you have, you know, the champs, the defending champs, it seems like, and we'll get into getting stronger and improving their roster. Uh, you had the draft, and, and not, not really a lot of surprises, but just um, some guys fell, some guys wrote, you know, uh, were picked a little higher than expected. Um, so I guess that's where we'll start off today is the NBA draft, which happened last Wednesday now, uh, almost a week ago. Uh, Anthony Edwards went first overall to the Timberwolves. James Wiseman went second overall to the Warriors. Uh, third overall for the Charlotte Hornets, they picked LaMelo Ball. And then the draft kind of got interesting at four, where the Bulls picked Patrick Williams out of Florida State. Um, and I even think you alluded to this when we did our uh, mock draft last week, if I'm not mistaken, right? Did you say that Patrick Williams, you, you thought it could have gone four? Yeah, I said he could have gone anywhere from four to eight. Now, his draft stock rose from being what people could have said is an early first round, or not an early first round, but a late first round pick. And then it got progressively higher. His draft stock um, came closer and closer to NBA draft time. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely kind of, it wasn't even, because people expected him, like you said, you know, to kind of go in that 4-8 range, but the, the fact that the Bulls actually picked him, a uh, kid from the, you know, I mean, he didn't even start a game in college at Florida State. He, he was, you know, that six-man role, but very good at that, and for him to be fourth overall in the draft um, was just something that I think a lot of people got taken back by. Uh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go to... Yeah, I'm going to cut you off real quick, because... While we're talking about Patrick Williams real fast, like I was Yeah, go ahead. I was reading about it was kind of interesting because it kind of connects in a way. Now, Florida State isn't really the basketball school that I, I would say they're they're on the rise. They've had They're they're definitely on the rise. They're becoming more of a basketball school than a football school. Yeah, definitely. Since Jonathan Isaac to and you have Malik Beasley, you have uh I wanna say there's a couple other guys I'm I'm trying to think yeah. from Florida State. But those are like yeah. the most notable. Um, mm-hmm. And now you have two lottery picks um, for FSU, Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams, which Patrick Williams almost broke the school record for the highest draft pick. I think it's him and Dave Cohen. So, but anyway, uh, it's kind of interesting because you mentioned that he played that six-man role at FSU, but like FSU is not the school that Kentucky is for basketball players. But it's similar to what you see because we're both Heat fans on this pod and we know the value that Tyler Hero and Bam and Abayo bring to the Miami Heat. But they're also like sort of in the in the background of Kentucky. You don't really see them as much, especially a guy like Bam. You didn't really see his production as much. As much. Mm-hmm. And I said that if you He wasn't allowed to grow as much. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of see, especially scouts that'll go and see like Kentucky practices, you kind of see their potential. And I feel like that's kind of it's kind of hit or miss with Patrick Williams. He has a lot of potential, and Carney Sovas is a guy that's 
hasn't had too much experience. I guess a little bit of experience finding value in with Jamal Murray and uh, at pick seven. Uh, what was that like five years? Um, I think he's had a lot of experience in like that second round, trying to find those gems in, in the uh, first, late first round and second round. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I think that it's kind of similar to Kentucky where you have a guy like Patrick Williams coming off the bench, uh, not really getting uh, the playing time and uh, that you would want to see, but just kind of similar in that respect. So just thought I would bring it up, but he has a lot of potential. So it is a stretch, but you kind of have to see how he plays out and you know, he's got, he's got the, uh, the talent for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, I think he has a lot of talent. I, I think, that uh, people, and this is a, you know, this is also what I wanted to get into when talking about this draft. Obviously, we're going to get into free agency in a little bit, um, but I think you need to temper your expectations for all these players, uh, for all these rookies. That's starting from you know the top three, which uh, Edwards, Wiseman, and Ball, all the way down, you know, to the late uh, first round, where you had you know someone like Desmond Baines or uh, Jaden McDaniel's, R.J. Hampton, Emmanuel Quickly. Um, you just need to temper your expectations because these are all guys who most of the, or all of them really, I think all of them really, except for maybe like Danny Avija, uh, who fell. And I want to talk about, he fell to number nine. He was projected, you know, we had him and a lot of people had him going in that force box of the bulls. Um, he just played, you know, within the past three, four months now playing in the Euro league in Israel. Um, but all of these other guys haven't played in a year, nine months, um, since March, in at the at the latest so and you know they're going to now go into their new cities if not they're already there training camp starts december 1st which is about 10 days away now and you know the season starts a, it was a month ago you know on monday you know december 22nd where you know now it's november 24th when this podcast is released so i think just tempering the expectations and not um expecting so much out of them obviously a guy like Patrick Williams, a guy like LaMelo Ball, um, Isaac Okora, uh, Anthony Edwards, you know, you're going to, you, you, those guys are going to need to step up for their teams. But at the same time, you can't expect them to come out and dominate because they're just getting adjusted to their new way of life, um, being in their new city, stuff like that. So it's, de- you know, being an NBA player, it's not like a free agent who, you know, has gone around and, and had a couple years in the league and, and now transferring teams that you can expect a little more. So, it, you know, I think there's a lot of dynamics that, you know, first, it's not it's not a superstar draft class. And then second, all of a sudden, you're looking at it like, okay, now you're going to expect these guys to come in and dominate. That's not how I'm looking at it. And I think you need to give them a little bit of time. Yeah, you need to give them a little bit of time considering the fact that these guys haven't played since they weren't even able to play in March Madness. And then you give them this whole entire stretch of time where, yeah, they're in training and whatnot, but then you look at the draft and you're like, okay, these guys are going to have to come in straight away in about a month and month and a half, and you're going to expect them to, to produce. Um, that Rookie of the Year award is going to be pretty interesting. Again, I, I feel like it depends on situation. That's with any NBA player. It always depends on situation and fit. Uh, that is the biggest uh the biggest factor when looking at the production of a, especially a young NBA player and trying to get their career off the ground. And uh, it always kind of, especially when you're a young player really depends on that. So uh, we'll see what happens with, with this draft class. Some things to note as I was watching the draft, 
Um, I think that you mentioned Denny Avija. I think he was definitely one of the guys that, that fell that I think should have been. He was a top five talent, in my opinion. I think Bulls should have gotten him, but they went with Patrick Williams, which as someone who goes to FSU, that's okay with me. And, and also he doesn't have <laughs> A lot of uh, a lot of upside, but it was it was very surprising to see him drop. I feel like the Wizards got a steal, uh, and I, I yeah, and I do feel like the Wizards do need a steal because just with their future looming with Wall and uh, they needed something to go for. Yeah. So there you have it. Um, but yeah, I, I want to say too, I, I felt like I like real, real quick, Hunger. real quick before you make your next point because yeah. I, I did want to touch on, on Avija uh, having you know kind of almost a personal connection to him having, you know, one of my good friends is, is a good friend of his. Um, and just knowing the talent he has, you know, I don't know if he'll be a superstar in the NBA. Um, he's really, really good all around. Like I pointed out, we talked, we discussed last episode, but I think someone that, you know, he definitely fell in the wizards. I think with him, Rory Hachimura, um, depending, you know, Bradley Beal is under contract for an extended period of time, just having signed that extension right before last season, um, I know their owner came out today and and uh, said that, uh, you know, he's not trading John Wall and him and John Wall had a meeting and sat down. You know, John Wall was disgruntled with the trade rumors that were going around. Um, I, I think that he, you know, it's almost it's a weird situation he's coming into. But I think that the Wizards, if they can keep, you know, if they can, you know, try to run back that wall beal backcourt one more time, especially in the East. I think that they can contend for a playoff spot. But then again, we're going to get into, I mean, everyone made such significant, a lot of teams, you know, a lot of young teams made such significant moves through trades for agency that, you know, I think both uh, conferences will be really tough. But keep going with your your next point that you were going to make. Yeah, I was going to say, I do like Onyeko Kongwu, but I was surprised that, and and that's why I kind of shot away from I think it was your pick where you picked the Congo in our mock draft. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of I don't I don't know really why the I, I think it's it's just the mold that uh, Anyeka Kongu is and just what he has to offer the comparisons to Bam and I think teams are really looking at that as as something that uh, is is definitely uh, destined for their franchise a guy like that um, and and I think also it it brings the question for the Hawks and and. Uh, Real quick is, you know, is Clint Capella available? Is John Collins now all of a sudden available for trade? And that's the thing. I, and you brought on Danilo Gallinari, too. So that front court is stacked. Yeah, you, you have a really, really... And we're going to definitely get into the Hawks, I think, more and more uh, into the moves they made. Because I think they're they're one of the biggest uh, winners out of this whole offseason so far in terms of moves they made. But I really like Akungu. Uh, obviously, I, I picked him with the Hawks pick in the mock draft. I think, you know, he had, you know, I don't want to compare everyone to Bam. I think a lot of people are comparing him to Bam. Uh, but I think he really does have that game that he, you know, especially with someone like Trey Young, that pick and roll game. Uh, he has shooters on the team, Kevin Herter, um, that, you know, I think you know, it's really going to be fun to watch that Hawks team. I think that, yeah, that that's why it was a little bit surprising for me because, yeah, I get that there's talent there. and you should take it if it's there. And that's why with Denny, it's, it's a no-brainer for the for the Wizards. But as for the Hawks, I guess free agency, you, you look in hindsight, and now they have Danilo Gallinari. But Denny Avija does, he kind of has that stretch four appeal. He can also handle the ball. He does 
a lot of the things, you know, I, I would say that he's a better passer than Danilo is. Danilo is obviously one of the best stretch forwards mm-hmm. in the league in terms of stretching the, the floor and shooting threes, and him and Trey are going to be awesome together. Um, but with yeah. the importance of, again, again, I, I think uh, Akungu is going to be versatile, but um, I don't know. I, I think Denny is a very versatile but offensive end, defensive end, pretty much. I think uh, Akungu is kind of the – you give him the edge in that respect. But yeah. I don't know. I, I look, felt like I, with, with the Danilo Gallinari uh, addition, I just felt like maybe they should have just gone Denny. But, I, I mean, I, I don't mind – I don't hate the Akungu slow. No, like I, I, if you have a player that has a lot of up, upside like that, you take him. But with the, yeah. with the Gallinari addition, it's just – I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, last point on, on Avija is that, you know, he has pro experience. He's played with pro players against pro players playing in the Euro League, which in my opinion is the second best league in the world. Um, you know, his, you know, he was just teammates with Amari Stoudemire in Israel with, with Maccabi Tel Aviv. And I know Amari had a lot of praise for him, you know, t- saying how great, you know, good of a player, even great of a player he was. And uh, everything that he brings to the table. I know he doesn't excel at one particular uh, area of the game, but he's just kind of good at everything. Um, so I think that's a real steal of the draft. And also Tyrese Halliburton at 12, another guy who yeah. fell. I didn't expect to fall um, to the Kings. I think, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, maybe now De'Aaron Fox is, you know, on the move. And But, you know, the Kings extended De'Aaron Fox. Um, and I really, really, that will be an interesting backcourt to watch. If Marvin Bagley can finally stay healthy and and live up to even half, you know, uh, half the potential that people saw him coming out of Duke just a few years ago, um, you know, I think that's that's a really really good young team. Still, a you know, I think uh, they took a step back with how good and and again we're going to get into that in free agency how good the West got um, even deeper than they already have. I don't think this year's their year, um, but I think just developing. And, and getting Tyrese Halliburton um, it was a really, really good steal. I think the Suns at 10 with Jalen Smith was kind of a, a head-scratcher. Um, I know Jalen Smith was kind of projected to go late lottery, even, you know, it, between that, you know, 16 and, and 20, even down all the way to, like, 24, 25 selection, and he went at 10. Um, but uh, overall, you know, I think there wasn't too much surprise in the draft. I know uh, Precious Acora for the Heat, I think, a lot of people uh, like that pick. Um, Tyrese Maxey right after for the Sixers. Um, there's some, you know, g- some good picks. And then going in, even into the second round, you have a guy like Vernon Carey to the Hornets, who I think uh, did real, real well in this draft. Um, you have uh, T- Tyrell Terry, who I know you had going in the um, lottery in our mock draft. You had him going, I believe, to the Pelicans at 13. Yes. Yeah. He went. He went all the way first pick of the second round. Uh, Desmond Bain, who got originally picked by the Celtics, he got traded to the Grizzlies. Another good pick. So a lot of. I, I think this draft was not uh, star studded, but I think are going to produce a lot, a lot of good NBA players. And who knows? I think you know. You look, you know, right at the end of the lottery, all the way up until you know, end of the first round. I think you'll find a couple stars, almost like that 2013 draft with Giannis. Maybe not Giannis caliber, but I think. Uh, there's always, you know, some guys who who uh, will develop and become really, really, uh, you know, all-star, star-type quality players in this draft. Um, so that that'll be definitely interesting. 
Um, before we do get yeah, into me, agency, go go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to add real quick. Uh, you covered some of the some of the guys after because let's be honest, the top three we don't really need to discuss that too much. It was kind of already set in stone. The top three, I kind of felt like that was the order in which it was going to go. But it's funny. I I don't want to bring up the heat in this uh, in this draft because obviously we had pick twenty. But I I just looked uh, throughout the first first round uh two picks specifically we already talked about it kongu so that's kind of like bam you know we talk about the bam comparisons but then how about the celtics drafting neesmith after missing out on a tyler hero to the heat a year ago you know mm-hmm. they're really prioritizing that shooting and and neesmith's the best shooter in the draft so uh you know they kind of uh took a leap with neesmith that was a really good pick you yeah. also have as you mentioned before tyrese halliburton i, I felt like you should have gone earlier and and much earlier. What was really funny is that I actually, without even really doing a lot of research on Halliburton at first, I made a a, a little rough draft of a mock and had him at, going at 12, so that was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> I feel like he, I don't know, I feel like he is one of the most polished and all polished all-around players in this draft. And you, we talk about speculation if the Knicks were going to take him or not. They ended up going with Obi Toppin in uh, New York, and he he is definitely box office. We talked about him in the in the mock draft. Uh, Toppin, and, and I know you know uh, real quick because I know we do want to get onto free agency, but there's just so much to cover here. Toppin's an interesting pick because he is box office. I don't know how much um, he will produce in just terms of. Actually, you know, I think anything can help the Knicks at this point. And I think the Knicks had actually a decent offseason in terms of not just throwing their money away. Um, but Toppin's an interesting pick. I think him and RJ uh, Barrett and how they develop together. Um, if Toppin can, you know, I know he's known for a dunker, but if he can expand his game, I think that'll be, a, you know, a real, real nice pick. And the first pick in the Leon Rhodes era, which is their new uh, GM in New York, former agent. So that would definitely be interesting to to keep your eye on. Yeah, that was one of the picks where on the Knicks, if I'm a Knicks fan or just an outsider looking in of any team for that matter, I'm kind of like, you know what? The Knicks, that was a good pick. That wasn't bad. And like, and like you said, he's from New York. He's going to get, you know, you don't need fans already to come to Madison Square Garden just because of who it is, but you're going to get more guys out there once fans are allowed back in, in, in the arenas. Um so yeah, that's definitely someone who I you know he he is the box office attraction that I think the Knicks obviously he's not you know what Knicks fans had in mind in terms of box office attractions like they've had in the past, but he is someone that I think uh, a lot of Knicks fans are excited for. The only thing I'll say before we wrap up here is the fact that he's 22 years old. That does scare me a little bit because I'm a big fan of timeline, and if we're talking timeline in terms of rookies, that is not really the uh, I would say the the age that you want to hit on if if you're a um, if you're looking for a prospect, but everything else, there's really nothing to to shake your head at. I mean, the guy has extreme athleticism. There is very much hope with his jump shot, and again, maybe this is a step in the right direction. You can't really go in the in the bad direction as much. You can't really dig yourself that much more of a hole you're the New York Knicks and I think that's the the pointing case about just having Leon Rose now the step in the right direction and, and just taking strides forward because there's been a lot of 
uh, I know on this podcast we talk about how much we, we think they're a disgrace, and there's really nothing to shake your head at and be like, yeah, that's that's good for the Knicks. There's, there's a lot of uh, just not so good things. So this is this is this step is a- in the right direction. Definitely. Um, one last thing. I do want to talk about the Warriors because I think it's just something that it's, it was so devastating to hear. Um, they did pick James Wiseman, who I think is going to be a tremendous help. And, and that big, that center that they finally, you know, all these years when they were winning championships, you know, they had guys from JaVale McGee to Andrew Bogut. Uh, um, who else did they have? They had Zaza Pachulia. Um, really never a solidified center. They finally, I think they got that in James Wiseman. Um, but it did that, that the day of the draft news came out that Clay Thompson, uh, tore his Achilles. So he'll be out for the season again. Um, I think just it's devastating. It kind of, in my opinion, takes them out of the title contention, which I know. And, and the next couple episodes, we're definitely going to be talking about just contenders and stuff. And even today we're going to be talking about that. And it kind of takes them out of that. I still think they're a playoff team. I think Steph will kind of carry them. They they did and uh, receive. They did trade for Kelly Oubre, who got traded from the Suns to the Thunder, and then redirected. Which we'll talk about Sam Presti and and all the picks he's acquiring because he's just going to be drafting uh, every draft pick for the next ten years for the Warriors. Um, they kind of are going to replace, you know, if you can replace Clay, Clay Thompson, which is not really, uh, with uh, Kelly Oubre. They're going to have Andrew Wiggins. So your thoughts on uh, the Warriors and, and kind of where they're at as a team with the injury bug hitting them again? Yeah, I think that it's definitely a big blow when you lose a guy that is – Basically, with, with Steph Curry, your franchise, again, Draymond Green as well, but there's been talks about maybe him moving on from the Warriors. Uh, I don't think that'll happen. I, again, I mean, we're not going to really get into that, but I think as far as Klay Thompson, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's a big blow. He's had two injuries, and this comes on the, the opposite leg now. Uh, so that's definitely something to worry about. Um, if you're a Warriors fan, if you're fan of clay thompson the nba in general because he's such a big part of it yeah i don't know he's a great three-point shooter great moving off the ball which you question too if he's going to be the same moving around because he's one of the best to to move without the ball and get himself open so you question if that is going to be the same and uh yeah i mean injuries to to both legs i mean it's definitely something that um to be concerned about I think there's no doubt about it. Uh, you do, if you're the Warriors, you do, still do have some hope. I think Kelly Oubre is a great player to have. He's a win-now player. And to be honest, I'm, I'm glad he's not on the Thunder because, yeah, he still is pretty young. I think he's about, what, 23, 24. I'm not too sure on that. Mm-hmm. No, he, he is. He's still really young. And I think it gives the Warriors now, you know, between him and Andrew Wiggins kind of, they hope to develop them into that, you know, next generation, even though I don't know if that's there between them, but something that, you know, with especially Wiseman, they kind of have that youth uh, core plus, you know, that's still veteran uh, core there as well, where they can win now, but also develop for the future. Yeah. Now they definitely need to look at um, getting that two guard since Clay's not going to be there. I don't know. I wouldn't say Kelly is your, well, I, th- I think that they're ki- they're kind of banking on that Kelly can kind of, even though he's a three, that he can kind of replace that catch-and-shoot type uh, 
mentality for yeah. Clay. I mean, I don't think you can replace Clay with a single player unless you're going out there and getting a star, which I know some people are kind of like, hey, now do they switch their draft, you know, how they're going to do things. Uh, and I know they just continued with Wiseman. But it's some definitely, I think, the Warriors are something, you know, hopefully Clay can come back healthy and, and not this year, but next year, you know, they can get back to competing for titles. I, you know, it doesn't take him out completely. You know, who knows? Steph can let you know can carry them and and who knows how far they get but uh definitely you know devastating to hear that news and, and clay you know, i think one of the more likable players in NBA. yeah yeah I, I don't really want to like i guess drown on this too much or or you know because it really is like tough like you think about just the road to recovery and um and i i think that as far as clay goes he didn't necessarily he, he was out since the finals so now he's going to go on a stretch from uh it's going to be past two years since yeah, he last two years everyone, everyone was talking about john wall like missing so much time like this is like pretty much kind of up there with just how long it's been since he played basketball so it's really just tragic and i hope that the nba community you know comes together because i mean this guy's a great player um and he's been in the league for uh, what eight nine years now yeah a while and uh one of the great shooters you know if not great you know also great players in the league yeah and you also um, comes back uh you know to a certain extent uh you know i'm not gonna say like totally healthy because two leg injuries is a lot but yeah you know somewhere close especially to that, achilles all we can hope yeah definitely so yeah so with all that being said Finally getting to uh, free agency, <laughs> which kicked off on Friday, um, and a lot has happened. Um, I guess we can just start off, your, I mean, just your initial thoughts on free agency, if you want to go. I know we kind of both did winners and losers. Uh, there's just so much to cover. I guess a quick recap I can do, and, and you can kind of take it from there. Um, basically, you know, as you guys know, uh, and if you don't, uh, you know, really no big time, big, you know, star for agents, I, Anthony Davis, who is yet to sign, but you know, he's still waiting uh, to sign and they're just figuring out the contract situation. If he's going to take a short term or long term with the Lakers, uh, Brandon Ingram, who's a restricted free agent still hasn't signed with the Pelicans. I think he'll probably resign and no, no talk has of him going to any other team. And even if they do, the Pelicans can match. So really, the biggest free agent to sign so far is Fred VanVleet, and he re-signed with the um, Raptors, a four-year, $85 million deal. Um, the biggest surprise, I think, so far was Gordon Hayward opting out of his $34 million player option with the uh, Celtics, only to sign and credit to his agent. And if I, if I ever become anything in sports one day, I want his agent to be my agent. And if my kids or anything become anything in sports, I want his agent to be my somewhere related because his agent got him a four year, $120 million deal with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets just continue. Uh, Michael Jordan as even though he is the goat as a player, as an owner, he's not so much. And the Hornets just continue to give bad contracts out. They now waived Nicholas Batum's $27 million a year contract to bring in Gordon Hayward. Um, so basically, Gordon Hayward would be costing them around $39 million a year to have, um, which is just head-scratching. 
Uh, we're going to really get into the Bucks, and I know it's one of my losers uh, after all we talked about last week with Boyan Bogdanovic uh, being in a sign-and-trade there. That fell apart. Uh, Bogdanovic just said, hey, I don't want to go there. I never agreed to that. I know that NBA is looking into a tampering uh, investigation there, and now Bogdanovic has signed a restricted uh, offer sheet with the Hawks, which it's still not known if the Kings will match that a four-year, $72 million offer sheet. Uh, Christian Wood signed three years, $41 million with the Rockets and a head-scratching move as to why the Pistons didn't sign him when they signed 25 other centers and forwards. Um, and I think also uh, Montrezl Harrell just going across the hallway and another shocking move, uh, uh, signing with the Lakers, a two-year deal. Um, I can keep going and going. What's your initial thoughts on free agency? What surprised you? What did you expect? Uh, we can go into trades too, I guess. Um, everything you thought, and then I guess you can also get into your winners and losers. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know. There's a lot to wrap your head around. It's definitely, if I had one word to describe this, this would probably be pretty much wild, uh, to say the least. And I feel like that's sort of an understatement just because there's, I don't know, there's so much going on right now that, and it's weird too having free agency at this time of year. It's, I'm trying to get packed up and go home for Thanksgiving. You got Woj tweeting uh, so frequently that it's like, wow, it's, I, I forgot that it was even really uh, free. Or not that I forgot, but it's just it's a weird time uh, to, to say that. Um, but as far as my thoughts, I mean, we start off with I, – I look at it both ways, and I think I'll break this down when I look at my winners and losers uh, of free agency and – I don't know. I, you look at across the board, and I think a lot of teams are getting set on Giannis for next year. Now, again, this is pending. Um, he doesn't uh, extend um, or sign his uh, Supermax extension with, with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they for sure have, I wouldn't say solidified him because, again, you, you kind of have to see the timing of that. Uh, he has until December 21st, 22nd to do that, I believe. Um, and then obviously he's got to do it in the off season, if anything. But um, I, I think that you see teams oh, trying to. Oh, yeah, oh real, real quick. No, real quick, because you mentioned the Giannis thing, and I didn't even mention that. And I think that centers around mostly all teams and what teams are doing right now in free agency. Um, it even came out today, and I mentioned Anthony Davis. You know, not signing yet with the Lakers back because they're trying to figure out contract situations. He might take a a one year deal, and the chances of this happening, I don't think it will. I don't think Giannis is like this, but of you know LeBron and him recruiting him to LA and making contracts work there. So literally, the whole league right now, uh, just like a couple years ago with Kevin Durant, like last summer, um, with all these free agents. Uh, but I'm talking in 2016, back in 2010 with the big three, teams are literally positioning themselves just for next summer. Uh, you see that with the Heat. You see that with the Mavericks. Um, so I just wanted – you pointed that out, so I just had to add to that real quick. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, again, I, I was going off the uh, – what I was talking about about Giannis. Like you said, I, I think you put it well in, in terms of – Teams are looking more long-term. I think if you look at two teams in specifics, um, 
And I think we look at the Raptors and the Heat. I think I'm looking at the Heat and I'm saying I'm saying to myself, well, I, I've known all along that the Heat were going to go after Giannis, so that wasn't too much of a surprise to me. You go out and get Avery Bradley, um, and you go you go out and get Mo Harkless um, after losing Jay Crowder, who who was a really intricate part, and then Derek Jones Jr. We just didn't really utilize him uh, to his his fullest potential, which I hope that uh, Portland does the same. And shout out to Derek Jones Jr. But Again, you kind of look at all these teams, and uh, or mainly the Heat and the Raptors, and then the Raptors, you look at them and you say, okay, they lost Serge Ibaka, they lost Marcus All, but that was because they were trying to go after Giannis, and um, that wasn't really evident until I started really looking into it. That look, I mean, the Raptors are, you know, th- there is risk involved with the Heat, the Raptors, shoot, even the Bucks, obviously, because they don't want to lose their. Uh, their star player, Giannis. That's kind of why the Bogdanovich thing is is sort of a blow because, as you mentioned, there's tampering and all that stuff, and uh, and the acquisition itself, it's just uh, it's a big blow. Bogdanovich is a great player for you. Um, it creates a lot of off ball movement. It creates uh, it's it's pretty much creation for Giannis to do his thing and kick it out. Uh, much more reliable shooting around him and guys that could do. I mean, you talk about Bogdanovich, you talk about Drew Holiday. Uh, they can do a lot more things than just shoot the ball. They can take you off the dribble. They can play defense. Uh, and there's not really a comparison with Bogdanovich and Holiday from a defensive end. But you got my point. I think they're a lot more multidimensional than your players that you had before. Um, but then again, you also look at, okay, how much are these teams really risking from a long-term perspective? Uh, and the Raptors, not so much. I mean, you have kind of Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol, who were, again, guys that can, that can complement each other. You have Marcus Gasol, who's a former defensive player of the year. Um, you have Ibaka, too, uh, that's also a, a great defender. Um, and, you know, he can kind of complement Marcus Gasol. They could both kind of complement each other. But uh, well, uh, you kind I, of I, have I, the Raptors. In, uh, what happened? No, no, no. Well, no, well, I was I was gonna say I think the two teams you're talking about, the Bucks definitely I think I have is one of my losers um, out of everything. After this time last week, they were looking like Giannis would probably sign the extension by now, and and they would be on their merry way. And and I think yeah, a lot of things would look different. I think they're not my losers. Just um, they did sign DJ Augustine. You know, they kind of replenish their depth a little bit, but nothing significant. That you know, if I'm honest, I'm looking like oh wow, that you know. Uh, this is just something that, you know, I need to stick around. I think he's really, I don't think, I don't expect him to sign the extension. I think he's going to take it into next summer. Doesn't mean he can't, he's not going to resign. I just think he's going to be like, let's see how this season goes. And if we can win a championship. Um, yeah, that's exactly what we'll do. And, and also I think for the Raptors, the Raptors, I think, you know, they did sign, uh, Aaron Baines, you know, to kind of replace, uh, Ibaka and Gasol, but I, I, I know they re-signed Van Vliet. I think though they, I don't know if they'll be as strong next year um, as as they have been these past couple years, uh, in an East that you know is just getting stronger. You mentioned Miami. I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, they're one and done. I do think you know they'll be decent again, uh, but I, I think that you know those two teams. I think the Bucks they might be a great regular season team again, but I, there's a lot of questions to me about that Bucks team. 
um, and, and what's going to happen. I think, yeah, as good as Drew Holiday is, I think in order for them to keep Giannis, they, I think, needed to make a maybe a, another big move, even bigger than Bogdanovich, because I think people were kind of like, hey, you know, oh, my God, it's going to be a super team. I didn't see the super team there. I don't know what other people are seeing. Maybe someone, you know, can come on the podcast and uh, and explain that to me, even though it's not going to happen. But <laughs> um, uh, I think that they they really messed up the Bucks and whoever leaked that sign and trade, no matter if it was on the Bucks side, if it was on uh, the player side, I think they messed that up because all of a sudden, you know, that trade felt that sign and trade fell apart and. And here they are uh, signing uh, DJ Holiday and, and I forget uh, some other. I think they re- brought back DJ Wilson. Um, they did sign someone else. Who else do they sign? Uh, I'm going blank now. Bobby, uh, Bobby Portis. There you go. Uh, obviously, no one. Tory Craig. Craig. Tory Craig was a nice signing. Uh, kind of head scratching how the how the Nuggets didn't bring him back. Uh, and, and the Nuggets also, I think, are a team that got. A you know didn't didn't improve as much as I think they they could have and and who knows still you know things on paper most people didn't think the Heat would make the playoffs you know going into last year and look where they ended up in the finals so I think you know as much as we can judge um, going you know off you know these past this past week I think that um, you never know but I think I think some teams didn't ma- didn't make as big of moves as they probably should have and and really going for it. Um, and, and but uh, that's for sure. Who uh, I do want to talk about the Lakers if uh, for, again also. Yeah, I I can transition into that. Um, go go ahead, go ahead. Before before I talk about the Lakers, I guess what I was getting at before is that I'm not really going to judge my winners and losers off of the long term effect, and that's why I was talking about the Heat. I was talking about the Raptors, and let's not lie here, the Bucks probably have the most risk out of anyone in free agency just because they traded all those picks. And, yeah. and again, you, you don't have Bogdanovich, who would have been a, a great signing. And then uh, you have uh, the guys that they added off the bench. Just I, I don't think they'll really cut it for Giannis. Um, I just – I don't really see uh, – I totally Augustine. agree. DJ Augustine's kind of on, what, the tail end of his – you have Bobby Portis – whatever tory craig whatever i mean tory craig's a nice piece I, yeah I, I do like to, but to, you know if you're trying to keep Giannis, i, I don't see tory craig as oh, oh my god you know that that's definitely keeping Giannis uh where he's at and and even is a great player but it's, it's a young piece that i think the kings missed out on in a sense i mean they do have bogdanovich over there um but i think steven Chenzo's on should be on a, on a younger team, not really a team that's trying to go all out and win a championship, in my opinion. Uh, but then again, like I said, like I said before, I think when I'm judging these winners or losers, it's not necessarily. Um, I didn't really take long term risk into into effect. I think it was more of the short term win now, because I think a lot of teams you look at right now, and it's going to be very competitive win now. Uh, and I think the teams that are taking risks too are are great teams as well. Heat, Raptors, Bucks, great teams. Um, but yeah. Again, that's kind of what I factored into my list. So I guess getting into my, uh, we'll start with the good side. I guess first, we'll we'll start with the winners. Uh, you mentioned the Lakers. That's going to be one of my winners. I think that the Lakers. What more can you say? I, I think the rich get richer, uh, and especially clutch sports with just 
the way that they were able to. And, and that's interesting, too, because, like, agencies are really it's playing. It's the Clutch sport. Sports Lakers. It's not the Los Angeles Lakers. It's the Clutch Sports Lakers. Yeah, with KCP, you kind of felt like that was inevitable. He was going to come back because part of the same agency. Then you have Montrezl Harrell. You have AD. You have LeBron. And then, you know, Rich Paul's doing his thing. And Clutch Sports is headlining L.A. right now. So uh, I, I think. I think that was an interesting dynamic, and again, it's it's kind of uh, taking over, I guess, kind of the free agency moves because then you have Bam and Giannis, but I'm not going to go off track with that, with the agents there. Uh, but you do upgrade heavily if you're Rob Palenka and the Lakers. Uh, you have, you pretty much went from Rondo, Danny Green, Dwight Howard, all three guys, Rondo going to Atlanta, which we'll talk about them in a little bit. They're very aggressive in this free agency. You have Danny Green, Dwight Howard, and you turn that into Dennis Schroeder, Wesley Matthews, Marcus Saul, Montrezl Harrell. And I have the stats pulled up for Schroeder, Matthews, and Gasol compared to Rondo, uh, Danny Green, and Dwight Howard. I guess I'll just read those real quick. So these are, these are the combined 2019-2020 numbers. Uh, for the, the trios that I just mentioned. So Rondo, Danny Green, Dwight Howard, 38.2 points, 23.7 rebounds, 10.2 assists. And I, I, don't, I won't read like the other categories, just the main categories there. Um, as far as Schroeder, Matthews, Gasol, uh, again, Howard, you kind of have, let's, let's be honest, Howard's the guy that, that plays inside mostly. Um, so that's why the rebound's going to be up. But for the duo that, uh, or excuse me, for the trio that you just added, Schroeder, Matthews, and Gasol, 54.4 points, 17.9 rebounds, a little hit from the rebounding perspective. Um, but then you have 13.3 assists. You kind of get um, more assists from, and the boost is from Marc Gasol, of course, because he's a better passer, uh, and it's not really too close from Dwight Howard. Um, and then what's even more impressive is the fact that you upgraded all three of those slots and you save money, $25.3 million for Rondo, Green, and Howard. And then for the new additions, you have $21.7 million. So you save money, you upgrade. It's a win-win. And I think that when you add – now, the Clippers did – were able to, to a degree with Sergi Baca, really combat that move with, with the bigs in, in a – with the Lakers, with, uh, I don't think even you mentioned Harold. I did m- mention Harold, but he wasn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad, my bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah my bad, my bad. In those stats, but uh, but again, I think that you kind of really, really upgrade. Uh, you get two six man of the year candidates. One of them, which was the winner in Montrose Harold. Uh, again, you have two guys uh, that can, you know, give the ball to Anthony Davis, or you really. I'm trying to think here. Probably you have LeBron, Marcus Saul, who's a great passer, and shoot, you could even really throw, uh, or or you have Schroeder, obviously, but you could even throw like Harrell in there if you wanted to. Um, but I, I think that now you have guys that complement your two star players. You have significant upgrades. You have Wesley Matthews who shoots better corner threes than Danny Green. We know the the downfall of Danny Green and. Um, like I said, the financial situation is is incredible. Um, I think that you really you really don't realize like what you can do. Like think about this for a second. Two of the top five 
type of players in the NBA on one team. Like, it's really just playing chess. Like, you just move the pieces around, and it's it's really, like, mm-hmm. it's really an easy game of chess because, like, I didn't even realize how much money the Lakers had. And even with that, you still have the opportunity to go out and pay Wesley Matthews, who was a highly regarded free agent in this, in this uh, free agent class, given it wasn't the most star-studded uh, free agent class. But then again, you're only paying him 3.6 mil. Like, I, I, I do think with, with that one, I think I think with the Matthews one, though, even though they did get a bargain, uh, him being a couple, you know, he's kind of almost the same type of player as, a, as an Avery Bradley who ended up going to the Heat. And I think that he, if you, they would have paid a little more money, they would have got a younger version of that. I think Wesley Matthews being four or five years older, but still a great move for the, for the price that they got him at. Um, overall, I, I do have to agree with you with, you know, the Lakers being a tremendous winner. Uh, you know, I don't think many people could have thought how they could have gotten better and they got significantly better. And I think, you know, going into next season, they have to be the favorites, uh, even though they were already, I think even more so now. Oh yeah, for sure. I think, especially when you look at the bargain as well as, as what they got for Montrez Harrell. I mean, that's crazy. The fact that you were able to get Schroeder, you're you were you got rid of Danny Green, you gave up a first round pick, but for a guy that averaged nineteen off the bench, and yeah, was a, a, they have two of the best bench players now. They have the two best bench players in the NBA in Harold and Schroeder. Yeah, exactly, and and again, not to say that coming off the bench wasn't good for them. Sometimes players thrive off the bench. I mean, we saw. Yeah. We saw with Drogic, I mean, Goran Drogic on the Heat, I mean, yeah, he's a great starter, but, you know, even coming off the bench, you know, that's a potential six-man-of-the-year candidate right there. So, again, yeah. you, you you could see, like, again, I don't, I don't know how they'll – we can't really predict how they'll be as starters. Again, you know, Schroeder was a great player in, in Atlanta. I mean, surely his, his numbers up when he went to OKC, and that was great. But, uh, again, I, I think that – you really, truly get a uh, a real feel for how great this Lakers team will be. And uh, again, they they really didn't miss this offseason. I, I don't really see any way in which you you think otherwise. Yeah, um, I think also uh, a winner, and I guess we can kind of go back and forth here. I know you also had as your winner the Phoenix Suns um, getting Chris Paul. Um, I know when we talked about earlier uh, Jalen Smith, which kind of it was a reach for them, but you know picking up Jay Crowder, they took him from the Heat on a on a on a three year deal, um, just a, a magnificent magnificent off, magnificent excuse me off season, um, uh, but I think that uh, you know they can be, and we talked about it last episode you know, five, six seed in the West and really push teams to their limit. Um, you know, the development of Devin Booker, development of DeAndre Ayton, um, and stuff like that. And I don't want to get on, on them too much just because we touched a lot on them last episode, but just tremendous, tremendous uh, offseason so far for the Suns. Yeah, no doubt. I think, yeah, we did, we did really touch on this uh, last uh, podcast or the podcast before um just yeah last one yeah the last one just about how much when you add a guy like chris paul and again he is just one of those players where you add him onto a team i mean this goes for a lot of superstars of course um 
or any superstar of that matter makes you a, a formidable team and definitely a playoff contender if you know maybe maybe even a lock who knows but I think when you look at him LeBron James guys like that I said it before I'll say it again it's just that makes you with that voice in that locker room the floor general it's a very important uh, position in basketball and with his voice in the locker room I think that that gives them uh again it's 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 great for them uh and you, you have a guy like Devin Booker who might be reaching his prime might already be in his prime who knows but again that's talent that you definitely don't want to waste on a subpar team a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 10 years that's definitely something that you don't want to uh miss out on and uh, hindering the development of DeAndre Aiden. You want him to have a point guard like Chris Paul to bring out his strengths to uh, improve him as a center. You know, Chris Paul, whatever team he's been on, he's always had a great impact, especially on his, on his big man. Uh, and again, that pick and roll game is going to be great. And then again, you lose some decent pieces like Oubre, but then you, you go out and get a guy like Jay Crowder who he are very like you and myself are very uh, familiar with a guy that again has his ups and downs but for the heat we were able to use him use him right he was able to defensively shooting everything yeah really do a lot of different things that the heat needed uh, for him to do he doesn't ask any questions he gets to work he's gritty he plays hard and again he offers a lot to the Suns team and, uh, you know most importantly that veteran leadership I feel like the Suns never really had a direction with they did in a sense with their young players. Of course you want to develop your young players, but having that, I think I keep going back to this, but just that voice and the, the leadership, it's very important for a lot of young players to have that early in their career. And I think that you have it now, although it might be a little bit like later on, you want to get that more early, but you have it now and they're definitely a contender. For sure. So I guess I'll move on to, I don't know. I, I, I agree with the Suns as well. I think. I, I, I do have another winner. I mean, yeah, I, I, you can go. Yeah, go, go ahead. You can say yours. Um, I think someone that not a lot of people are talking about is the Trailblazers, uh, what they did bringing in Robert Covington, uh, bringing in Derek Jones Jr., uh, bringing back Rodney Hood, Carmelo Anthony, um, going to have you know a healthy Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, and Yusuf Nurkic. Um, just overall, just a great, great free agency. I think uh, in off season so far for for the uh, Trailblazers, um, they did bring in I I think someone else at as a big. I'm going blank now, um, but I think just. Uh, just an overall. Oh, Harry Giles, they brought in um, as depth. Um, but I think they are now, and and we talked about this back when you know they were that eight seed and they got into the playoffs. They snuck in through that play in, and, and how well they played in the the seeding games. Um, they are a a top seed in the West if they were healthy last year. I know they weren't with you know Collins and and uh, uh, Nurkic. You know they'll have them back now and. Uh, you know, if I'm teams, watch out for them because I think they're going to be a team that is really going to um, be up there and compete and, and be a tough outcome playoff time. Um, 
I, I really like their moves. I think the Robert Covington move defensively helps. You know, I know they really struggled defensively uh, in the playoffs and, and throughout the season. I think he brings them some defense um, and also, you know, some more shooting. You know, Damon CJ are only going to get better. And then I think Nurkic, the man in the middle, I think. Uh, oh, and they brought uh, Ennis Cantor. I knew I was forgetting someone. Um, I think just a, another terrific move, another big. Uh, you bring back, you know, he was there a couple years ago, that that Cantor uh, Nurkic duo. And uh, I'm, I'm just, I, I, like, I, 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 I'm really excited about this team. I think they're going to be really, really good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just to point out about the Trailblazers real quick, I I could see them as a winner. Uh, I don't know if they lost too much. I don't really think they did. They re-signed Melo. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're going to lose Whiteside, and, and I think Whiteside is one of the top free agents available. It just kind of says a lot about Whiteside that he still hasn't been signed uh, yeah. when a lot of teams still need bigs. I think it kind of says about his work ethic and, and what teams think of him, but that's beside, that's a different conversation for a different day. Yeah, well, I'll say this. I think the Detroit Pistons should definitely turn their head in the other direction because they have too many bigs. <laughs> well, I think that's a great transition for maybe losers. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess we're go, going to losers with that. I yeah, think well, really- finish, up, finish up your winners, and I guess we can go into losers and talk about the Pistons because I think we both agree that, you know, they didn't have the best uh, offseason so far. Yeah, I guess I'll mention one more winner real quick uh well as far as the blazers go real fast uh i guess you kind of throw in ennis canter with that realization that Whiteside um is going elsewhere uh i think that if you look at at least what i watched of canter he was a spark plug off the bench in the minutes that he played uh and again that that all it really just comes down to schemes not that he was bad it's just that he didn't really get playing time uh for for a good amount of time just because he was it was just mismatches or or certain uh plays that uh that Brad Stevens wanted to run that just didn't incorporate uh Ennis Canter. But when he came in provided good minutes, uh, I thought against the against the Heat he was uh detrimental at times and just caused the havoc for uh Miami. But I think Robert Covington, whatever team he touches, I feel like that kind of elevates you. And I think it gives it a kind of – it's kind of underrated in a sense, just his presence and just how it doesn't elevate you, obviously, from a superstar perspective. But Robert Covington is a great player. He fits on pretty much a lot of teams. And he does give you um, a big upgrade defensively, as, as you mentioned, so – I, I like the moves for the Blazers, um, but then again, I, I, I do feel like they're kind of in the same uh, atmosphere or stratosphere, I should say. Uh, I, I don't really feel like they've taken too much of a, a step forward. And then uh, I also wanted to point out real quick the Atlanta Hawks. I feel like we did mention them at the beginning a little bit, but... Oh, of course, yeah. Team that, that, uh, that deserves mention uh, just with Again, I feel like their front court is also a little bit stacked up like the like the Pistons, but it's a good at least it is a good like, in a good way. Court. In a good way. Exactly. So I feel like they're gonna be uh, a force in the East. And again, the East is a, a conference that has gotten more competitive as the years go on, but it's still in my eyes, it's still a little bit top heavy. 
um, in a sense. I, I agree. Like a, a lot of teams have, have upgraded. Um, I, I don't know if we want to say that the Philadelphia 76ers are a winner. They're kind of... The, the, I, I do have to say that the Sixers did. They finally did get some shooting. I think no one will declare them uh, formidable until they can finally prove themselves in terms of, you know, actually playing basketball together and being able to. I've said this now for months on this podcast that, you know, give them a different coach and they got Doc Rivers, who I really like, and let's see how Ben and Joel work together. Uh, they do have Daryl Morey, who I know is not afraid to make moves. So, you know, at any time this team could be broken up. But uh, Seth Curry, who is just, you know, like his brother, um, just lights out from from beyond the arc. Uh, they brought in who you know they traded away Josh Richardson. They got uh, I know they attached a pick to and and we didn't even mention the Oklahoma City Thunder. Who I think are winners even though they're going into a full on rebuild. I think just the amount of picks that they got um, were terrific. Um, so many I mean so many good moves I think over this offseason. Just you know you can't even get it into one episode. But uh, yeah no for for sure I think the the Sixers the Hawks. Uh, all these teams made, made significant moves to improve themselves. I think the Hawks are still a tier. Uh, I don't think they can win that division yet. I think the Heat are, are still atop it. I think the Hawks are, are maybe a, a six to eight seed still, um, just because they don't have that experience. But I, I think they they're definitely a playoff team. And, and I know last year we a lot of people thought that, and I didn't. But I think this year for sure. Otherwise, something is not right there. And I, Lord Pierce is a, a terrific uh, young coach in the league. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that, like I said, I kind of ended on the on the Hawks' uh, little ramble there, but you'll see how good of a coach Lloyd Pierce is, especially since now he's he has the team to do it. Um, he has Gallo, sure. he has Clint Capella. He he has his fair share of vets, mostly a young team though. So we'll see how those vets uh, come in and and. Uh, or I'm saying Vets is in, or you did acquire Rajon Rondo too, so that's another guy to point out there. Um, Chris but, Dunn, they also acquired, which helps you in the backcourt defensively. So that's always a plus. But um, yeah, I again, we'll see. There's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of uh, things we look at, and we don't know what what will happen. But it's it's unpredictable at this point. It's been unpredictable year so we'll have to see going into next year if uh, our predictions are right so we'll see but uh i guess i'll transit transition into losers uh, go ahead go ahead i think we alluded to them before the detroit pistons i god knows what they're doing uh, i think again they do have a new gm troy weaver but you see them take killing hayes at um with the seventh pick in the draft and you like the pick. I don't know, like, what they're doing from a front court perspective because we mentioned Christian Wood. Uh, we also mentioned a guy like, or I feel like we should mention a guy like Luke Kennard who had so much promise. They trade him away. They ended up getting a draft pick in the process, and I think they drafted a guy from. It was a European player. I I forget his name. I think it was like a uh, Pavlutsky or something like that. I think. I'm not positive, Ryan. You want to check that real quick? But um, I yeah, believe, I believe so. I will. Yeah, for sure. So, I think that again, you you give up on like young talent. Uh, I think prematurely, and I've always wondered about the Pistons, what direction they're necessarily going in. 
uh, especially when you, again, it, it all dates back to kind of a couple years ago, or even you could even look at the trade deadline and just they traded Andre Drummond for John Henson, a legit a bag of chips, pretty much, um, and a chocolate chip cookie. Like it was, it was terrible. Um, so I, I don't really know. I'll say this. Yeah. 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 I'll say this. They signed, I don't even know how many centers. Uh, they decided, and Jer- Jeremy Grant is, is a terrific uh, player, um, but they yeah, paid but him not, more money. Yeah, he's not your number one option, though. Well, you have Blake Griffin, but I, I don't really think his, his future is in Detroit. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to consider Jeremy Grant a number one option, he isn't, um, even though he's a great player. Uh, he's a great player, but you pay him more money than than the few, than a guy in Christian Wood who's now going to the Rockets. Who I think also we didn't even mention in winners. I, I think they just right before we started this podcast, they signed Demarcus Cousins. Uh, I know Demarcus has a lot to prove coming off major injuries and not really having played in a couple years in the league. Um, but I think the Rockets all of a sudden, you know, uh, real quick, I think. Uh, with that DeMarcus Cousins move, kind of, I don't think James Harden and Russell Westbrook are going anywhere. I think it could still happen. I just kind of get the feeling that they're going to try to run it back again, uh, bringing in Christian Wood, who's a terrific young player in this league and, and ascending real fast. But you bring in uh, Mason Plumlee. Uh, yeah, Mason. There's so many Plumleys, I feel like, in this league. Uh, they brought in, who else did they bring? They, I, they traded away Bruce Brown, which I didn't understand that. Um, they, oh, you're talking about the Pistons? Yeah. Um, yeah, now I'm talking about the Pistons. They brought in my Mason Plumley. They brought in Jaleel Okafor. Um, they brought in every center, every average center that you could think of that really doesn't do much in the NBA onto one roster. Uh, I saw like a, a, a funny thing. It was like D Rose at the point guard, Blake Griffin at the shooting guard, uh-huh. uh, Jeremy Grant at the small. Like it was just like because basically their whole roster is just center and power forwards. Um, they do still do have Seku, who is a, a still, you know, I think he's still developing. It'll be interesting to see if, the, you know, they kind of help D Rose out and, and trade him on to a team that he can win a championship. Cause I think a lot of people would like to see that happen. Uh, Blake Griffin, I don't know if we'll see him, you know, I think there's been a lot of speculation. Maybe another team takes on his cap for one, you know, this final year of his deal and maybe helps them get over the hump or maybe they just, you know, wave him and, and do a stretch provision. Uh, which it seems like they're they're you know might do, um, yeah. I I don't know where this Pistons team is going, and no one does. Um, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I feel like I feel like. Uh, well, first of all, I just feel like it would be kind of funny to to note that. I mean, are you gonna have like Taco Fall running the point guard at some point? Like, I don't I don't know what they're going for. Uh, although he just signed a, a two-way deal with the Celtics today, but um, but I, I do feel like they're they are playing. Uh, I guess they're going to try and play big. I, I don't know if that's to an advantage. I mean, you have small ball okay. with, with with the Houston Rockets, but you want to play super big. Like I, I don't. Again, I I feel like we. we I don't think I don't think they have a a a, 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 a a a strategy in mind. I just feel like they were just spending their salary cap. And kind of doing a Knicks type move, and just like, hey, let's just throw money at all these people. And in about, I mean, yeah, this year I'll come back to bite them. But in about two, three years, even though they're not a free agent destination, I'll come back to bite them when they have, you know, they're paying 
Mason Plumley, you know, fifteen million dollars to sit on the end of the bench. Uh, but here's the thing, yeah. though. Yeah, here's Not here's good. what makes me scratch my head is that you take Killian Hayes, who has gotten comparisons to James Harden. He kind of plays like him in a lot of respects, and then you give away a guy in Christian Wood, who I think not only has major promise in this league as a, as a as a power forward slash center, but also he's a guy that stretches the floor for your your young player that you just drafted. Instead, you go out and get Mason Plumley, who I don't think he's stretching the floor. You go out and get Jaheel Okafor. I'm not sure if that's spacing the floor either. That's definitely uh, not spacing the floor. An abundance of guys that just aren't going to be able to stretch the floor for you. At least you get Jeremy Grant, who I respect, and I, I like the, the, the pickup in that regard, even though I thought that it was a, a ton of money. Uh, it's I think it's three years, $60 million. Something like that, Ryan. I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's a three-year deal. You're going to be sitting on that contract for a little bit, $20 million a year for a guy that was, what, a, a third or fourth option on a Denver Nuggets team that reached the Western Conference Finals? Like, I don't yeah. really – I'm not re- really a big believer in those moves. And then also, I will say this. The one positive in all of this is that they went on and got a guy – or two guys in Josh Jackson and Zyra Smith, which at least – I just I I just saw not to rain on your parade because you were just going to make a terrific point that they might re- release uh, Zaire Smith that well, they're going to plan on on waving him again. Make any sense? I don't know. I I, I yeah. I. <laughs> but yeah, well, but at, at least if they get rid of Zaire Smith, at least they have Josh Jackson. I mean, I, I guess that's the. I'm not a Pistons fan, but I guess that's the. Uh, You're trying to bring some hope to if if there's any Pistons fans. He's trying to give you a glimmer of hope. I don't see any. Uh, you guys yeah, are gonna be. Uh, there, there's not. I, I think one more point here. I was trying to make the point of Josh Jackson. Maybe he has a reassurance or a resurgence of. Again, he was a top four pick. A couple of years, maybe he has sort of a. Again, Markel Fultz hasn't really, uh, you know, elevated himself um, to a you know All Star level player, whatever it may be. But maybe he has uh, that type again, of uh, research. Yeah, I think I think like it's important uh, um, to point out that those are the type of guys they should be going at, not guys that have established their career are backups in other places i think you need to get talent that is either i mean for for the pistons they just need young talent in my eyes and they gave up on that so i i don't know where they're going and then they have uh, blake's contract which i think is up pretty soon um but still you, you know you have that on your book so yeah i just yeah, yeah. they also acquired Dwayne denman but they're expected to release him so there's another center um yeah they just have a whole bunch of centers uh opposite of what the rockets had last year so um any other losers you have because to be honest i i was looking and and i kind of had stuff written down but nothing that really jumps out to me that uh i I guess uh oh well we talked about at the beginning the hornets um they did a nice move in, in drafting Lamelo ball but then they go out and give gordon hayward this uh, I said, you know, it's going to cost them $39 million a year. They get to that because with waiving Nicholas Batum's $27 million 
contract left that he was owed this year. They're going to pay him $9 million over the next three years So you, because of the Gordon Hayward because they didn't have enough room, which that even blows my mind even more. You don't have room to sign this guy. Maybe that's a sign to tell you you shouldn't even take him, and then you waive someone else that you're going to pay $9 million to not even be on your roster, which attributes to Gordon Hayward. So the Gordon Hayward, they're going to pay him $30 million a year plus the extra nine. So you're going to, you know, Gordon Hayward better be averaging 25 and, and 10 uh, on this team with uh, Lamella Ball. They do improve, I guess. I mean, listen, it's not hard to improve when you were one, the worst team or one of the worst teams in the league last year. Um, so they will improve. And you, you mentioned a, a top-heavy East you know, they could try to sneak into the playoffs. I don't think that will happen. Um, Gordon Hayward not being himself since his injury, but just... And also, I, I think, uh, also the Celtics. I think the Celtics, you know, they did get Tristan Thompson, but I think, you know, there was a, a thing out there saying that, you know, the Pacers and them had a sign and trade for Gordon Hayward and the Celtics were going to get Miles Turner back. Uh, and Celtics got greedy and wanted uh, some other pieces. I think the Celtics should have definitely taken that. I don't think the Celtics improved necessarily tremendously i think they're kind of the same team as last year they did get tristan thompson which kind of helps them at center aaron naismith like you said uh shooting but i don't think it's like anything spectacular um but yeah i mean i I guess we could also say not a loser per se but the clippers uh not really seeing you know making their team a lot lot better they did lose uh montrez harrell um they did gain sergi baka um yeah i mean I, i I don't know what what else you have because I think uh, really I mean we covered almost everything that's happened uh, significant at least obviously you know something something like Austin River to the Knicks is not worth a uh, whole conversation about but there you go that happened uh, what else yeah. you got yeah I, I feel like we kind of hit everything um, head on there with just pretty much a lot of teams in the league. There were some quiet teams. You mentioned Indiana. Indiana was pretty quiet this offseason um, with their moves. And, of course, there's The more, Magic. Yeah, there's more free agents out there. Uh, the Magic were pretty quiet. Uh, there was a lot of rumors, too, with Aaron Gordon. And they're pretty much – there's not a whole lot of untouchable guys on their team. So you look at them and you're like, okay, is Aaron Gordon getting moved? There was rumors about him to the Blazers. Yeah. Uh, and all that, but nothing ended up happening. I the guess Spurs, was, too, pretty quiet, even though they could still I, make moves I, with DeMar and uh, Marcus. Yeah, I, I guess I would say, too, another – I would say a, maybe a glaring loser, a, a, a team that actually I would really mention um, if we had a losers uh, or some of my top losers. It might might have even made my list because I know we were just going with Rizzi, too, but – the Denver Nuggets, they lost Jeremy Grant. They lost Mason Plumley. two guys that, again, serviceable guys. Jeremy Grant, one of your top options. Uh, and, again, I, I feel like those are big losses. Um, and you kind of lose depth at the front court. Although you do have Michael Porter Jr., who is untouchable in the eyes of the Denver Nuggets. And definitely I, I feel like this is a, a coming out party for Michael Porter Jr. this upcoming season. I feel like he's going to be – He's going to be asked to do a lot more. And again, from a player that's only been in the league, what, two seasons? Uh, I, I feel like that is going to, or I think three seasons now. Um, I, may, I might be wrong with that. Don't quote me. But um, a guy that 
is definitely showed up showed up in the playoffs. But again, he's going to have to be asked to do a lot more, especially with the the losses in free agency to the Denver Nuggets. Um, especially since you don't really add anything in return, and you just got to the Western Conference Finals. On top of the fact that the Western Conference is now even more scarier with the Suns and um, the Warriors to a degree. I mean, again, they lost Clay Thompson, which is a big blow, but you get Steph Curry back um, at the least. Um, but again, you have a lot more of a stacked Western Conference. So, um, surprised that the Denver Nuggets didn't get back. You're weighing both sides of the equation. Uh, there's more of a negative side than there is a positive side. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that you, you, you hit it all. We talked about it all. Um, we're only now, like I mentioned, about 10 days away from training camp. Season's a month away, preseason games two, three weeks away now. So, I mean, uh, I think we really started off last episode with this. We're, we're coming around now, and, I mean, there's just so much coming up. I think uh, the offseason will slowly, you know, kind of moves. I don't think – I don't expect too much more. Uh, maybe, you know, some teams will try to, you know, the buyout market and stuff will we'll try to sign some guys – um, maybe a few trades, but I don't expect anything major. Um, you know, we'll wait on Anthony Davis and, and you know just see the contract that he signs with the Lakers. Uh, also, we didn't even mention Bam Adebayo, and if he signs his rookie extension with the Heat, I know the Heat are kind of pushing that off because you know they want to sign Giannis next summer, and that will, if he signs that, that'll kind of cause them to lose their whole roster in order in order to sign Giannis. And then you also. Um, uh, the supermax rookie extensions, or the or not the supermax, but the max rookie extensions from Fox, uh, and then you have like Donovan Mitchell who signed a big contract too. So Jason Tatum, yeah. So otherwise, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, where where can they find us on social media, Jake? I know you've been really active on social media, doing polls, questions. Uh, so if you're coming, for, if you or just finding our podcast without knowing social media, where can they find us? And then I know a whole bunch of you uh, from finding us on social media are now coming to the podcast, so we welcome you and uh, appreciate you. Yeah, so if you guys want to check out our Instagram, like Ryan said, um, we're both being really active on there lately and trying to grow that. So if you guys want to check us out and support us, at underscore around the league underscore. And then, of course, we do this every week. You guys can find us on all three streaming platforms, wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on Anchor, Apple Pods, and Spotify, so check us out. Uh, and like Ryan said, we appreciate all the support, the new supporters. Uh, again, we've been doing this for a long time now, and to see the podcast kind of take off in a sense. And, uh, again, it, it comes from our hard work, but, again, I'm not going to give all the credit to us. I mean, it's not possible without you guys, so... Yeah, we, we appreciate the support. Yeah, that's for sure, guys. Uh, you know, we now just about over a year in this podcast, and uh, we finally feel like we're we're gaining traction. So we appreciate all your support. Um, you know, go tell a friend, couple friends, family, whoever. If anyone likes the NBA, we think you know we give valid opinions. We kind of give a you know we try to bring our basketball knowledge as well as just being a fan of the league and, and bringing fan opinions. So uh, otherwise that's pretty much it. So uh, peace out. Peace.